Well, good morning again, everybody. So good to see you on this Lord's Day. Let me thank you for worshiping the Lord through song, and now let's worship through the Word, shall we? If you haven't done so already, I want to invite you to take your listening outline from your worship guide, get a pen in hand, and open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Proverbs in the Old Testament, the book of Proverbs. And today I want to share the second message in a series. The series is called The Way of Wisdom. And today's message is called Listening, Listening to the Voice of Wisdom. Now, as we're preparing to hear the word here in the worship center, I want to say a warm welcome to everybody in our contemporary service. I'm really glad you're here today, as well as those of you who are joining online and on TV. I'm glad you're a part of this service today as well. Now, if you were here last week and you got in on the very first message in this series, you know what our memory verse is, right? It's the theme verse of all of of the book of Proverbs. It's Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. I think they're going to put it on the screen for us, and I would love for you to read it aloud with me. It frames the entirety of the book of Proverbs. It begins with the fear of the Lord. Are you ready? Let's read it together. Here we go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so this passage teaches us that fear of the Lord. Now, what, what did we learn that that means? It means to be in awe of him, to honor him, to reverence him, to respect him, to submit to his authority. To live in fear of the Lord is the first step on the road to real knowledge and real wisdom. I think we ought to read it one more time together since we're memorizing it. Let's read it one more time. Are you ready? Here we go. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction now i've asked them to knock a couple of words out and see how well we do so would you give it another go are you ready here we go the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and instruction. So that's our memory verse through this series over these weeks of January as we look to God's word to say, show us the way of wisdom and how to walk in it. Now today's message is called listening to the voice of wisdom. You know, isn't it true that one of the things you hope for your kids and for your grandkids, you hope for yourself really is to be able to distinguish between the voices you hear to know which ones are trustworthy those that are not those that you ought to pay attention to those that you ought to dismiss one of the signs of growing in wisdom growing in maturity is being able to distinguish between the voices that come our way. Now, you, you recognize some voices immediately. You recognize the voice of your spouse or your kids. You can be in a room where there's a lot of people and a lot of chatter, but I guarantee you, you hear one of your immediate family members' voices and you are tuned in to that voice. You, you respond 
to that voice. It's true in a larger sense, uh, probably in the last 50 years of the last century. There was the most recognizable voice in evangelical Christianity was Dr. Billy Graham. And anytime you hear that voice, man, you just know he was a preacher of the gospel. You recognized it immediately. This is MLK Jr. Weekend. And I'll guarantee you, if I had played this morning in this service a clip of his speech on the National Mall in Washington, D.C., where he talked about a dream where we would not be judged by the color of our skin, but by the content of our character. Everybody in this room would have recognized that voice. Everybody here would have. And can I just say that he was absolutely right then. Every person is created in the image of God, ought to be treated with dignity and respect, and our society functions better when it is not hyper-racialized, but instead when we relate to one another based on the content of our character. So you see, we, we recognize voices and one of the ways we grow in wisdom is to recognize, to recognize the voice of wisdom. Now, I want to give you four ways this morning that we recognize the voice of wisdom. And whether you're just beginning your journey with Christ or in the Lord or you're new to church or you're young in age or whether you're down the road a bit, I think there's going to be some really practical instruction that comes out of our message today because listen the bible teaches us how to go to heaven the bible teaches us how to have our sins forgiven and to be in a right relationship with god and that is by grace through faith in jesus christ that's the most important thing we ever teach it's the gospel but you know what the bible teaches so much more it teaches us how to live in a wise way until we get to heaven. And that's part of what this series is about. So you have your pen ready? Write in the four ways. Here we go, here's number one. The first way we hear the voice of wisdom is I hear the voice of wisdom in the Bible, the Word of God. I hear the voice of wisdom in the Bible, the Word of God. It's the reason why we teach our kids the little song, the B-I-B-L-E, yes, that's the book for me. I'll stand alone on the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. We hear the Lord's voice, the voice of wisdom, through the word. How does the proverb writer put it? Look in Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. He says, every word of God proves true. It means you can trust every word, every syllable, every jot, every tittle of the word of God. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Don't add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. It's why Jesus said, we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So, you know if you've been coming to Ingleside for any amount of time, we're encouraging every person we can to join us in the chapter a day journey. If you're not in it, you ought to text the word chapter right now to 22828. Sign up with your email address and join with hundreds of us as we're reading the word a chapter a day. You get wisdom, you hear the voice of wisdom in the Bible, the Word of God. Here's number two. It's where we left off last week, and that is we hear the voice of wisdom in the words of our fathers and our mothers. I hear the voice of wisdom in the words of my father 
and my mother. It's just a reminder that the place God intends for wisdom to be passed along from one generation to the next is in our homes. Now, the church has a role in that. A school has a role in that. But guess where the primary place is? It's in your home. Look in Proverbs 1.8. It says, hear my son, here it is, your father's instruction. And forsake not, here it is, your mother's teaching. Do you see that? Fathers and mothers, there's nothing more important you do than by your words and by your example to teach your kids to know and follow the Lord and give them the way of wisdom. It's again in chapter 6, verse 20 of Proverbs. Do you see it? My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. So moms and dads, man, I want to encourage you again today as I did last week. So we're going through Proverbs every day. Pick out a verse, two at the most, three, and say, here's how these apply to us. Here's how I have tried to live this. Here's how I've failed at this, but I'm asking the Lord's forgiveness for it. You become the primary discipler in the way of wisdom for your kids. Now, here's where I really want us to land for the next few moments. I want us to dig in deep, and that's the third way that we hear the voice of wisdom. Write it in, top of page two of your outline. I hear the voice of wisdom, thirdly, in wise counsel. In wise counsel. Now, this is one of the mega themes. This is one of the mega themes of the book of Proverbs. You know, we're in Proverbs 15 today, and really beginning in chapter 10 are the Proverbs proper. The first nine chapters are some paternal poems where a father is communicating wisdom to his son. And as a part of those first nine chapters, wisdom is personified. Um, lady wisdom calls out Come, follow me, and experience all the benefits of walking in wisdom. But there's also lady folly, and lady folly calls out and says, Come, follow me. Look what I promise. And the question is, which of those voices? The voice of lady wisdom, the voice of lady folly. How do you hear the voice of wisdom? Through the word, through your parents, and then here's the third way, through wise counsel. And beginning in Proverbs 10, you just see this over and over again. So I want us to dig in here. Why do we need wise counsel? Well, here's the answer. It's number one, write it in. I need wise counsel because my thinking will seem, seem to be right. It will appear to be right even when it's not. Now, the Bible teaches us that as we evaluate and discern and discriminate and decide and plan and execute, that there is something askew in that internal mechanism within us because of our sinfulness and our fallenness. And so watch this. You and I cannot assume that because something seems right to us that it really is right. Let me show you that in the Bible. Look in chapter 14, verse 12. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end 
is the way to death. So in other words, just because it seems right doesn't mean the outcome will be good. Sometimes it can lead to death and destruction. Would you read out loud chapter 12, verse 15? It's on your outline. It's on the screen. It begins with the way of a fool. Read it with me out loud. Everybody, let's read together. Here we go. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. You see, a wise person knows that you can have a blind spot or you can be deceived or your knowledge might not be full. And because of that, you know, I need wise counsel. So what should I do in light of that? Number two, write it in. I should actively seek. I should actively seek wise counsel. I should not wait passively until it comes to me. I shouldn't wait for my parents to give it to me. I should ask them for it. I shouldn't wait for my boss to give it to him. I should ask them for it. I shouldn't wait for the person who's more experienced to give it to me. I should seek it from them. You say, where in the Bible is that? Well, chapter 8, verse 17 is a good place. Look at it. The voice of wisdom says, I love those who love me and those who, circle those next three words, those who seek me diligently find me. And so what does the Bible say? Because we know we need wise counsel, we ought to seek wise counsel actively. Thirdly, write it in on your outline. The third thing the Bible teaches us about wise counsel in Proverbs is I should get it from more than one person. I should get wise counsel from more than one person. Now, that may be obvious, but let me just show you where it is in Scripture. Chapter 11, verse 14. It says, where there is no guidance, a people falls. Here it is, but in and, circle those next three words, in an abundance of counselors, their safety. You know, it's sort of like the principle of diversification in investment. You don't put all your eggs in one basket. So when you're making decisions, you don't depend just on your own wisdom or that of just one counselor, but you bring more than one advisor or counselor into the process. And in an abundance of counselors, the Bible says, you're better on the path of security and safety and wisdom. Look in chapter 15, verse 22, similar thing. It says, without counsel... Plans fail, but with many advisors, circle those two words, many advisors, they succeed. So, why do I need counsel? Well, because what seems right may not be right. Should I be passive or active? No, I should be active in seeking it. Should I get it from more than one person? The answer is yes. And then when we ask the question, why? Well, chapter 18, verse 17 tells us, look at it. It says, the reason you get counsel from more than one person is the one who states his case first seems right until when? Until the other comes and examines him. So the first counsel you get may seem just right until you invite another wise counselor and then they raise questions or they identify weaknesses or they suggest a different path 
And it's only when you've heard from more than one that you're likely to find the really uh, wise path. You know, uh, think about that in terms of when you have a... Um, when you have a health issue or a physical malady of some significance and you go to a medical doctor, you get their best advice and counsel about the way forward. But after you hear from them, you decide you're going to hear wise counsel about your medical issue from more than one person. What do we call that? We call it getting a what? A second opinion. Why? There's no disrespect in that toward the first person who treated you. It's just a way of saying it's wise, it's godly, it's biblical to hear from more than one counselor to have more than one opinion. You know, the same is true when you're doing any kind of project at home or here at church when we've done construction projects or other projects across the years. Whenever you get ready to do that project, how many bids is it good to get on that? Just one? Well, no. You ought to get at least two and usually three. And as you do, you say to those providers, what's the best way? What are your suggestions? What are your insights? And in the multitude of counselors, well, then you find the wise way forward. You know, the same thing is really true in terms of hiring. Some of you are responsible for bringing personnel uh, to your team. And whenever you have an opening, how many people is it good to interview? Only one? Well, no. What should you do? You should interview at least two or three if possible to say this is the way forward. Boy, this is an important and a practical principle. So, I hear the voice of wisdom and wise counsel. Why? Because what seems to be right may not be right. I should actively seek it. I should get it from more than one person. So, that raises a question then, number four. And that is, why would I then not seek wise counsel. And the Bible answers that with two words. I want you to write them in, then we'll talk about them. The first word is hurry, H-U-R-R-Y, hurry. And the second reason is pride, P-R-I-D-E, pride. So, the first reason sometimes we don't get wise counsel is because we just get excited. We're in a hurry. Look at it. It's in the Bible, chapter 19, verse 2, New Living Tr uh, Translation. Read it aloud with me with some enthusiasm. Let's read it. Here we go. Enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste makes mistakes. Now, look, I know there's a danger in the other ditch. You can get to paralysis by analysis. I get that. But you know what? That's not the danger for most of us. Most of us just say, whoo-hoo, that looks like it. Let's go that way. And man, just off and running you go. And the Bible says in your hurry, in your enthusiasm, you don't get wise counsel. And that's no good. That kind of haste will lead to mistakes. The second reason the Bible says we don't get wise counsel is a little more insidious than that. Look at it, chapter 15, verse 12, Good News Translation. 
It says conceited people, arrogant people, prideful people do not like to be corrected. So they never ask for advice from those who are wiser. You show me a person who just makes it a habit never to get wise counsel. And I'll show you a person who is either really immature or really prideful because prideful people just can't bring themselves to say, hey, I may not know it all about this. I may not have the best perspective here. Would you give me some wisdom about that? Don't be that person. The person who has so much pride they refuse to seek counsel, the Bible calls a fool. Don't be a fool. Well, then the fifth question that rises, this is page three of your outline, is when you should seek wise counsel. We ought to just make it a habit, but let me suggest five times in particular. Number one is when you're facing something new. When you're facing something new. Uh, you've encountered a situation, a new chapter, a new opportunity, a new challenge, a new problem. When you're facing something new, get wise counsel. Number two, when there's likely to be conflict or opposition. When there's likely to be conflict or opposition, oh, get wise counsel. Look at chapter 20, verse 18, New Living Translation. Plans succeed through good counsel and don't go to war. Don't engage the conflict. Don't face off with the opposition without wise advice. Similarly, chapter 24, verse 6, New Living Translation. So don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. So when should you get wise counsel? When you're facing something new, likely to be conflict or opposition. Three more times, here they are. When lots of money is involved, the more money that's involved, the more wise counsel you need. And when many people will be impacted. The more people who are impacted by the decision or the choice, the more wise counsel you need. And then last of all, when the decision and consequences are life-altering. In other words, the consequences of the decision will be hard to reverse. It'll be hard to go back. It'll be life-altering and life-changing. Well, one last question we should ask about wise counsel, and that is from whom should I seek it? And the ideal person is a person with Christ-like character, a person who values and submits to the authority of God's word, a person who has more expertise or experience than I have. Fourthly, a person with a proven track record of success and if they have had failure, have they rebounded from that failure in a positive way? And then, last of all, the person who has no personal stake, no personal stake in the outcome. In other words, your decision really won't have much impact on them, so they have the objectivity in order to give you wise counsel. You know, the real burden of this part of today's message is in Proverbs 19.20 in the NIV uh, 84 edition. It says, listen to advice and accept instruction, and in the end, you will be wise. 
So get some wise counsel. That's the big burden of today's message. Now, I got to confess that as I was preparing today's message, that's where I thought I might end. Isn't that a good place to end right there? Just say, get wise counsel and put all that in place. But as I studied through Proverbs, I saw that there was one other way that we hear the voice of wisdom that I would have been neglectful if I didn't highlight. So write it in. It's number four. I hear the voice of wisdom in words of rebuke, words of rebuke. We don't use that word very often, do we? And correction, in words of rebuke and correction. Let me show you where it is, and then let's get really practical. It's in Proverbs 9, verse 7 and following. It says, whoever corrects, there's that word, corrects, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Why? Because a scoffer, a wicked person, doesn't receive correction and reproof very well. Look at verse 8. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. But look, watch this. If you reprove a wise man, if you offer a wise man rebuke, correction, reproof, he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he'll be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he'll increase in learning. So before we wrap up today, let me ask you this. When you hear words of unsolicited rebuke or criticism, how do you most often respond? I wrote down a few ways that some of us are likely to respond. Some of us are likely to return the fire with equal or greater, greater ferocity. You gotta criticize me, I'm gonna criticize you. You gotta give me correction, I'm gonna correct you. Man, I just start firing my gun at the level that they're firing at me, that's one way. A second way is not quite as aggressive, but it's say, when at all costs, don't give an inch defensive approach. In other words, I'm not going to criticize you, but whatever correction you're offering to me, I am not going to accept. I'm going to defend everything I'm currently doing. A third way to respond is just sort of to clam up tight, shut it down on the outside, but on the inside, I'm seething with a who do you think you are to be criticizing me kind of attitude. And then there's a fourth way that I'm convinced is in the ascendancy these days. And this is the play the victim response. Immediately you retreat to the shelter of I'm doing the best I can. So how could you dare expect more of me kind of attitude whenever someone gives you rebuke, correction, or criticism? Now, how many of you have ever seen those in action? Have you ever seen those in action? Yeah, I have. How many of you have ever done some of those? Can I see you? Yeah, the rest of you are lying right here. Yeah. Are any of those the way of wisdom? No. So what does the way of wisdom look like? Write it in. When unsolicited words of rebuke or criticism or correction come, the Bible says the first thing I ought to do is slow down and here it is, listen. Listen. Listen carefully before I speak. I love Proverbs 15, 31. It says, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof 
will dwell among the wise. James said, be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And so, even though it stings, even though it might be unexpected, slow down and listen. Second thing, write it in, the Bible says we ought to evaluate who. We ought to evaluate who is offering the rebuke and discern what their motive might be. Uh, my parents would have taught me this in the principle of consider the source. They, they would say, look, evaluate who the person is. What is their position? Are they an authority? Are they a competitor? Are they a friend? Where is that principle? It's in Proverbs 27, 6. It says, wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. And so listen, if a person that I know loves me, wants the best for me, has encouraged me, has been a partner with me, and they come and they've got a criticism, well, man, I'm going to slow down and listen because their motive, their investment tells me I need to pay attention. But if they're a stranger, somebody I don't know, somebody I don't have any experience with, or they've been an, uh, an opponent in everything that's ever been done, well, I will hear them in a different way. Number three, after I listen and evaluate who, I will ask God to help me learn and grow because of the criticism. You see, there is always a kernel of truth, almost always a kernel of truth in any criticism, even those that are wrongly motivated. And so I ought to be saying, Lord, show me how I can learn. Show me how I can grow through this rebuke, through this correction. And if I don't, I'm setting myself up for a big fall. Look at Proverbs 29.1. He who is often reproved yet stiffens his neck, doesn't learn, doesn't grow, will suddenly be broken beyond healing. And then this last step takes a lot of humility and it takes a lot of maturity. And that is, you circle back and you express gratitude. You circle back and express gratitude to the person who offered the correction or criticism. And you say, you know, I really want to thank you for that because that's helped me grow and that's helped me learn and that's helped me be better. And I know it might have been hard to give me that, but I really want to say thanks to you for giving me that. You see, the Bible teaches that if you reprove a wise man, he will love you. So how do you hear the voice of wisdom? You hear it in the scripture, in your parents, in wise counsel, and in rebuke and correction. I'm praying today. The Lord's going to make us a people who fear him and who hear the voice of wisdom and follow it. We're going to pray together, and after that, we'll sing our concluding song. Father, thanks for teaching us so practically today about how to discern the voice of wisdom and then how to respond. I want to ask you to forgive us when we have failed to hear or we've refused to listen, or we've responded in anger too quickly. Lord, forgive us when we've been so wise in our own eyes, we haven't gotten wise counsel, 
Or we've been in so big a hurry that we pulled the trigger before we ever took good aim. Lord, would you just make us wise people, a wise church, help us walk in the power of spiritual wisdom from your word and by your spirit. And Lord, if there's anyone listening who's never trusted and followed Christ, I pray today they would repent and believe and begin to follow you and to fear you. This is our prayer today in Jesus' name. Amen.